Well, hello there, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming, as always, the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my little studio beneath the sky here, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is Friday, December the 15th, 2023. Christmas is a little more than a week away, and I hope you're enjoying the holiday season. I hope you're reflecting on the goodness and grace of our Lord and giving us the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. And uh, today we've got a first-time guest, a, a dear friend I've known, uh, it seems like all my life. I think it's more like a 30 years, give or take. But anyway, just an incredible friend, brother in the Lord, fellow pastor, um, just a gifted man. Uh, Russ Harbin is, is with us. I'll bring him on here in, in just a moment. But uh, he has an incredible story to tell. Something tells me he's going to be back on the program uh, pretty regularly because he is just a wealth of uh, encouragement and, and testimony and stories. But I asked him to come on today to talk about a, a miracle, a, an actual miracle. You know, when Peter was preaching uh, his famous Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2, at one point he turned to the crowds and he said, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Well, I'm here to tell you that uh, just as Jesus performed miracles during his earthly ministry and the apostles performed miracles in the early church, God is still very much in the miracle working business. Uh, as Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, during the uh, exilic community there, 500 or 600 years or so before Christ, uh, he said, speaking of uh, God's promise to restore Israel to the land, even in the midst of such devastation and uh, difficulty, Jeremiah the prophet proclaimed, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And um, so as you think about the Christmas season and whatever trials and uh, tribulations you may be uh, facing, I want you to be encouraged today as we hear just an incredible story from uh, my good friend and, and brother in the Lord, Russ Harbin. To introduce him, I'm going to play a about a three-minute clip of a news, almost four-minute clip of a news report uh, from uh, his uh, hometown there where this happened. Uh, it was such an amazing event, uh, a miracle, truly, that uh, it actually was picked up by the local news and they shared the story. So I'll let this be the introduction, then we'll bring Russ on and get him to elaborate. Now, I'm going to uh, share my screen here uh, because uh, we've got uh, our premier members who uh, uh, who watched the video version of these podcasts. And this is a good opportunity while I'm getting this set up here uh, to remind you, if you're not a premier member, go to notbyworks.org, click on the store button, and uh, you can uh, subscribe to our premier uh, subscription. It's a small monthly fee. You can cancel at any time. I think there's also an annual option that saves you some money. Uh, but we have all kinds of exclusive content. And one of the things that we post for our premier subscribers is the video version of these interviews. But for the rest of you, you should be able to hear the audio version of this uh, television report. So uh, pay attention to this, and then I'll bring Russ on to give us some more details. Sometimes there are events in life you simply cannot explain, things that happen to you that simply defy logic, like the full recovery of Russell Harbin. By all accounts, he should be paralyzed if not dead. But for Russell Harbin, one of life's lessons is that miracles do happen. Mm -hmm. 
Starla Harbin and her husband had plenty to testify about, both in song and in word. And I said, no, it wasn't you. It was me. Their lives took on new meaning nearly four years ago. During a family vacation at a Florida beach, their lives turned upside down when Russell rode a wave into tragedy. And as soon as I got on top of the wave, the wave stopped and slammed my head to the bottom. Russell's neck was broken. Still, he walked to shore, never once becoming numb or paralyzed. He broke the first vertebrae and tore a ligament here. The injury was the same as that of actor Christopher Reeve, now a quadriplegic. Miracle? Russell's surgeon says, most likely. The miraculous part was that he wasn't rendered uh, quadriplegic, totally paralyzed at that time. Certainly what we did is not miraculous, but but I think the fact that he was spared a, a life-threatening injury, injuries like this can kill people because it stops the, the breathing center. He asked me one question. He said, how did you make it out of the water? And I said, well, I walked. And he said, there's no possible way you walked out of the water. It was what he did instinctively that may have saved his life. Well, I remember coming up and grabbing my neck because of the intense pain. He stabilized himself with his wife since there were no emergency room people around. Not necessarily knowing what he was doing. He just did it. Just did it as, you know, somebody was uh, telling him what to do from then, I guess. And he said, well, if your head would have moved an inch, it could have killed you. If he had fallen or even tripped, but then again, in all the moving around from water to shore to ambulance, it's impossible to imagine that his head never once moved. So I knew that uh, after he told me that, uh, that obviously I didn't do it. It was it was just God's hand again. How are you so sure that this qualifies as a miracle? Well, I believe God's behind the logical as much as he is sometimes that uh, things that don't seem logical. Dr. Hayes put Russell back together with screws and bone from his hip to replace the shattered bones in his neck. In the midst of it, Russell and his wife were awaiting the birth of their second child. I didn't pray for God to heal me, even though I believe God heals. Uh, all the thing I asked was to be able to hold my baby girl. Four months later, he was right there, ready to hold her as soon as she was born. And that was just a, a beautiful, beautiful picture. We named her Karis, which means grace in the Greek because we experienced a lot of grace. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. It's hard for me uh, to see people that are in wheelchairs today because they're asking why they're there. And I've asked so many times why I'm not there. Through their music ministry, the Harbins now share their testimony. They believe miracles do happen. The Harvins say there's a whole new sweetness to their lives now, and they plan to write. Amen. Well, I tell you what, uh, Russ, you and Starla uh, are just some of the dearest uh, people in the world. That was 25 years ago, I believe, when that happened. Um, I was joking with you before you came on. Uh, you know, you don't look... Uh, you don't look like you've aged a day. Uh, you look like you've aged about 30 years, but no, just, I'm just kidding. Russ, thanks for joining us for the program today. Welcome to the show. Hey, my privilege, JB. And, and uh, I, the best part of that was my wife singing 
and mm -hmm. uh, in the video. And uh, and so she's she's the best part of that story as well. Amen. Yeah, Starla is an unbelievable singer. She and uh, Russ worked uh, as evangelists for many years. He's uh, now pastoring uh, in the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, greater Atlanta area. And we have the privilege of coming there next uh, February uh, to speak uh, at his church. We've spoken at uh, several of uh, his uh, churches or a few of them, and he's spoken at several of mine through the years, going back 25 years, 30 years ago. Um, and uh, so we've kind of been friends a long time, but I, I want to go back to this, uh, to the event. So we heard the clip, but uh, take us back to that moment. Tell, tell us what you were doing and then just kind of walk us through with the benefit of, of 25 years of, of retrospect, uh, how you see the hand of God in this. Yeah. Well, thanks JB again for allowing me to share. I believe it's the greatest miracle in my life. And outside of, um, of course, the new birth, which I think is the greatest miracle, Mm -hmm. uh, someone being transformed by the power of God, which took place November 23rd, 1985, when I gave my life to Christ. And, and so, you know, when you, when you experience something like this, um, you just know the hand of God was, was there the whole time. Um, of course we were, uh, just spending a couple of days at the beach with my parents on our way to, uh, a, a revival services that we were going to be starting on that Sunday. And uh, not too far from Florida, we were only had about a two-hour drive from where we were going in Georgia, so it wasn't very far. And so I had, uh, I, I didn't like the beach much, uh, to be honest with you. I, I, I went to Florida to, to usually golf and do things like that. Going to the beach was not my favorite thing to do, but we had our son who was around four years old at the time. Um, he wanted to, you know, play on the beach, and so obviously I. I was there to do that, decided to go in, uh, in the water for a little while. And I looked at my watch and I told my dad, I said, dad, I think it's time for me to get ready. I need to go get a shower and, uh, we're, uh, uh, later this afternoon. So that was my plan. You know, we always obviously make plans during the day. And I love what the scripture says in Proverbs, you know, we may make our plans, but God orders our steps. Mm. And so, you know, we, we just, you know, we're doing what we knew to do is to have a good time. And, and so as I, I thought to myself, the quickest way to get out of the water was to, instead of walking was to ride a wave. Now, let me just say, I wasn't a professional, uh, body surfer or anything like that. Um, and, and, you know, I'm telling you, the one of the reasons I don't like the beach is because I'm so white and what you call critically Caucasian, that the uh, <laughs> I'm obviously shark meat. And so that's one of the reasons I don't like it either. But I had uh, decided that easiest way for me to get back to the, the beach was to ride a wave in on my belly. And I was in an area that was a sandbar area, about probably 30, probably about 30 yards off the off the beach shoreline. And, and so it was about waist deep and, and, and my, at the water was about waist deep. And so I decided to get on the wave. And as soon as I got on top of the wave, the wave broke, which mean it just flipped and it flipped me and slammed me head first. Uh, it was almost like someone took me by my feet and slammed me into the bottom of the ocean. Mm. I hit that sandbar. And of course I came up and all I did was go to the pain. Uh, as you, you just, that's what you do. You go to the pain 
I, I held on to my neck because it was excruciating. And I knew I had hurt my neck really bad. Uh, I had done a lot of things in my life. I had, you know, trained horses and broke horses, been thrown off of them, had a horse, you know, flip over backwards only one time. And, and so I knew what pain was like, but I had never experienced pain like this JB. And it was, it was just, it was extraordinary pain. And I just began to scream for my dad to help me get out of the water. And I don't even recall him helping me get out of the water. All I remember, remember is going to the, the beach and laying down and uh, and about probably a minute or two after I was laying down, uh, God sent a lady who happened to be a nurse, and mm -hmm. she just looked at me. She said, son, be still. Um, uh, and I looked at my dad and said, dad, call an ambulance. Mm -hmm. And she said, just be still. You're, you're going to be okay. And I, I asked her, I said, ma'am, am I going to be paralyzed? Huh. When is my hands and my feet going to go numb? Because I felt like, at any moment, I was going to lose the feeling in my hands, maybe the feeling in my lower extremities, and and I would be paralyzed. And so, so you knew that something was up with your neck. That was yes. obvious at the moment it happened. Yeah, I mean, my I couldn't I couldn't even move my neck. I mean, I I'm so glad. Obviously, after watching what took place, didn't try to. Uh, I mean, I I literally my head was sitting on. If you looked at the X-ray, it was sitting on nothing. Uh, that, that first vertebrae, uh, and which is, is, is really the axis in which our head turns and mm. mine was shattered in five places. Mm. And so there was no, there was nothing to hold it up. And it literally, that's why it could have, they call it a hangman's fracture because it, it can, when it falls, it severs the, the spinal cord and there's just no recovery from it. And all that loose bone is is there and it could have severed the spinal cord at any moment when I was coming up out of the water. Um, and that's why, you know, it was so miraculous because, you know, I didn't die in the water. So the ambulance got there and and the paramedic, I remember this vividly. He said, son, you'll probably go home this afternoon, later this evening. He said, you, you've probably just sprained your neck. He said, People that have broken their neck, I've I've brought them out either paralyzed or dead. Wow. He said, "So you you probably you're probably okay," and and so, you know, the next twenty four hours would would really change my life and the course of my life forever. And so we were we were sent to the hospital by way of ambulance, got to the hospital, and they didn't have someone to operate an MRI machine, so they had to load me back up take me to another hospital and uh, and have that procedure done and then brought me back to the hospital that I started at in the first place. I remember them parking me in the hallway and just leaving me there. Mm. And and the one of the things that, that again, I, you, you kind of remember certain things that kind of stay in your mind. And one of the things I remember is they, they said uh, he has insurance so we can we can bring him back. <laughs> and uh, making sure that I could pay, I guess, at that time. And, and, and so they, they brought me back and, and then, but one of the most amazing things that, again, how God's hand was in all of it, they began to remove the cervical blocks from my neck to get x-rays. Well, they were pulling on my neck and I was screaming and, and Starla could hear me screaming and she knew something bad was happening. And they, they were actually, they should have never done that. And, and 
shortly thereafter, this one of the doctors, the emergency room doctors, was reprimanding the the technicians for doing that. Mm. Under no circumstances should they have done that. Mm. So they they obviously got me um, to a room and said that the next 24 hours are going to be crucial. We're going to watch him. We're afraid that the swelling could cut off his breathing. Um, and we just hopeful he can make it through the night. Mm. And, and so my wife, you know, we were, we were newlyweds really young and just had a four-year-old child and, and expecting, you know, Starla was pregnant with our second child. And at that very moment, um, life just, as I was laying there and I, I couldn't move. Um, and I remember Starla could only come in the, the room every, it was about for two hours for about 15 minutes, every two hours for about 15 minutes, she was allowed to come in and that was it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember just the fact that I didn't know if I was going to come out of that hospital, didn't know what was going to happen. And so I made it through the 24 hours. And then I realized the doctor, and I've said this before publicly, the doctor in, uh, Panama city probably saved my life first because he didn't try to do the surgery, mm. uh, the surgery mm. that, that I needed. He said, I only know two doctors in the entire country that can do this surgery. One is in Atlanta at Emory, Dr. Regis Hayde, and the other doctor was Christopher Reeves doctor in Chicago. Mm. And so we, we chose to go back home, go to Atlanta. And, um, and, and so I, I shared with my, I shared with my wife, I said, we, you need to get me out of here because the funny thing about the doctor, again, one of these things I remember is every time he came in the room, he had some kind of food on his clothes, catch <laughs> up, uh, on his, you know, coat. One time he had dried cheese and I looked at Starla. I said, listen, this man can't even operate a fork. He's not touching me. So Get me out of here. Uh, and, uh, and so we, we were, uh, again, ma my mother was making plans to get me on a, a flight because our insurance wouldn't co cover a medical flight. So I was just put on a regular commercial flight and, uh, I still had what was called a four poster collar. I was very unstable. I had to fly back to Atlanta with people throwing stuff over my head, hitting the back of my seat. And, um, and just again, God's hand was in the details. So, so just to clarify, so you, you, you walk out of the ocean, you get put in an ambulance, you get carted around in a hospital, you get transported to another hospital to get an MRI back to the same hospital. They practically, you know, uh, took that neck brace. So all this time, God protected you from yes. severing the spinal cord. Yes. And it's just God's hand. And, and so this would all, you know, when we get to Atlanta, uh, we're greeted by a team of doctors. And oh, by the way, the insurance wouldn't pay for an ambulance. So my cousin had to pick me up in her minivan Oh man! and, and drive me. And if you, you know about driving in Atlanta, it's crazy. And oh. so, you know, she was, she was so nervous. Again, I, I'm still, I've had no surgery, very unstable. So they finally, they, she gets me to the hospital. I'm greeted by a team of doctors at the door. They they greet us at the door. They're waiting on us. And they they take us in. And, and Dr. Hay, he was so, I mean, it was like a doctor walked out of GQ magazine. I mean, his coat was starched. He was so, it was amazing, the difference. Was he and, the one uh, in the clip? 
Yes, he was wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. And so he looked at me and he said, I want to know one thing. How did you walk out of the water? Mm. I said, well, I walked. He said, there's no medical way you walked out of the water. Hmm. And he said, I've looked at the MRI. I've seen the, I've seen the x-rays. There's just no way. Hmm. And, um, and of course he said, there must've been a mighty force with you. And Starless spoke up and said, no, sir. It was the hand of God. Hmm. Hmm. And of course, you know, later on, um, we would discover that, you know, he became a believer. Hmm. And, uh, and so it was just amazing to, and so they, he got me in and, and, um, and he said, you, what would you like the good news or the bad news first? Hmm. I said, well, at this point, it really doesn't matter. Hmm. He said, well, the bad news is you've broken your neck just like Christopher Reeves. Hmm. He said, but the good news is I'm going to be able to put you back together and you're going to live a normal life. Wow. And, um, and of course, you know, you don't realize how that's going to impact you at the time, but it, it really was not going to be normal. Um, and, and it would be life changing. It would change my life mm. forever. Mm. And, uh, and, and hopefully for the glory of God as well, that I believe that's what God, listen, a miracle is always never to glorify the miracle, but always to glorify the Lord. It's always to be a pointer to back to him. It's not to point to any person. It's not to, it, we, we should be the least they talk about and talk about Jesus because it, it was something that Jesus did because he chose to do it. Amen. Wow. I mean, I, I still remember so many people were praying for you at that time and, uh, and you know what, I, I'm just, I'm just thankful to God because I think about all that, you know, we've done in ministry together since that time, uh, how you've been an encouragement, uh, uh, to us, you know, you, you talked about, uh, you, you, your tolerance for pain from working on a horse ranch and that kind of stuff. Plus, you know, you're a preacher and if anybody can handle pain, it's a preacher. Let me tell you, you and I have commiserated many times about the heartache and, uh, yeah. Just some, sometimes it, it can it, ministry is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. But God has plans for you. Still does have plans for you. And uh, I tell you what, I, I'm just glad, uh, you know that uh, that you don't, you know, you you, you don't body surf uh, <laughs> like you golf because man, <laughs> you'd be you'd, you'd be paralyzed. But uh, right. thankfully, That's you right. body surf like you preach, which is outstanding. Uh, uh, and I hope to have you down here to Colorado here sometime uh, soon. And and uh, we're talking about maybe next summer. Um, but uh, man, what a blessing that'll be! You always uh, you're always a blessing. So so walk us through uh, just uh, you know the other ways that the hand of God has been on you since that time. So you had Crosby at the time; he was four years old. Yes, uh, you had Karis four months later, and. Um, you you uh you spent a number of years or actually you know what before we get to that i'd love to hear your story because i only vaguely remember it, and i was telling it to a colleague of mine recently about how you came uh, to faith in christ and yeah. and that was a, quite a story as well wasn't it absolutely well let me let me uh, fill in a little uh space about uh after i got home you know in 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 recovery the one thing i'd prayed on the beach as you heard in the video was that i could hold my baby girl, you know, I, I knew God could heal me if he chose to. And I believe God could do that. But all I asked for was God just allow me to hold her. Mm. If that means, you know, in a wheelchair, I'm okay with that. Just let me hold her. Mm. And, you know, JB, when you think about that moment for a mother, 
Um, and then, mm. I know, brother. <laughs> she she gave up something that every mother longs to do, and that's to hold their baby. Mm. And she gave it up for me because mm. when when Karis was born, uh, the doctor said, "Who wants her first? And Starla spoke up and said, "Give her to him." Mm. Wow. And uh, and so you know, I've actually we're working on a book now, and and that's one of the chapters about just how, you know, she was just so um, willing to give up something that a mother does. And it's, it's really what a mother has and that bonding, that first moment to bond with their child. Mm. And uh, she let me hold her first. And, uh, and so it just, yeah, it was, it was very special. And uh, you know, one of the things, and today she's, she's serving the Lord in the ministry her name, obviously, as you know, in the Greek means grace. And we decided to spell it with a K so people wouldn't say Charis or Charis. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so we try to make it a little more, you know, we are in the South and people do uh, slaughter <laughs> names all the time. So we, we definitely wanted to make it easier for folks. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. Well, that is precious. I tell you, we've had six children and I've been there at the birth of all of them. And, you know, uh, when the doctor says, uh, would you like to hold the baby after, you know, Wendy gets to hold her? I, my response was a little less poetic. I just said, I'll be glad to, but let me ask you a question first. What is that? Cause you know, they come out and they look like, what is that? No, they were, they were all precious. So, so praise God for that. I mean, what an incredible testimony. Again, we're, we're talking about is anything too hard for God? And this, uh, by all accounts, as you heard in the clip, uh, from the doctor. By the way, uh, was he? I know you said he became a believer, but I'm just—he sounded like he had at least an awareness of God's hand in this in that interview. He did, and I should say we became more aware of his faith in Christ later on. And he—he's—he's uh, uh, he's a renowned surgeon. Um, he created what's called the Hade plate. It's in the back that he, that's been used many times, and uh, he's taught all over the world. Um, it was just again God's hand. We didn't know, listen, you don't have a neurosurgeon in your back pocket to call. And uh, when you when you have something like this happen, how, how can that be that God arranged it for us to go back to where we could be close to family and be in the hands of someone that has been gifted as Dr. Hayde was? And again, I believe God used his hands just like he uses, whether a doctor acknowledges it or not, God uses their hands. And um and so, uh, you know, that that was so um, special for us to know that, you know, yeah, he did have an awareness of that. And 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 we look forward. We've actually talked to him about doing the writing forward in the book as well uh, because of, you know, what took place. But, yes, going back to my my personal testimony of faith in Christ, you know, I was I was the hopeless case. I mean, I really was. And uh, I know you 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 laugh, but uh, I laugh because I've heard you tell the testimony, and I had forgotten until you you started uh, that. I, I I'm hoping that uh, you you hit some of the highlights that I remember you sharing in from my pulpit. So well, you know, it, I was, and and uh, I had uh, I had every label uh, known at that time for a child. I mean, of course, they didn't know it like they do today, but. You know, I had ADD. They didn't know what ADD was, of course, but um, I had dyslexia, but they, they didn't even diagnose me. I didn't I wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia until I was an adult. And and so 
uh, there was a lot of things. I mean, I, I had every label you could imagine, you know, um, and, you know, with my dyslexia, I, I used to walk to school backwards. That was one of the hardest things for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did not. <laughs> Some of your listeners will get that. If they're dyslexic, they'll understand. <laughs> Those who are not, forgive me. But uh, yeah, so uh, I was, I was, I, I didn't learn how to read until I was 17 years old. Mm. Um, and and I, I partly because of my dyslexia that they never had diagnosed. And, 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 and so in school, you know, it was very difficult for me. You know, I was, I was the least likely to succeed. I mean, you'd probably see my picture in the back of the, the, the annual matter of fact, what was, what's so amazing is just about three weeks ago, Starla and I attended our 35th class reunion. Uh, or my 35th class reunion, I got to see people I hadn't seen in 30 years. And, and, and one of them actually, when they heard that I was a pastor, they came up to the table when uh, I was getting some food and, and looked at Starlin and said, is he really a pastor or was that just a joke? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so they were still having a hard time believing it because they knew who I was before, you know, what we call BC days before Christ, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, I was, I was just, I, I, I lived for myself. I had a good time and, um, you know, I did what I wanted to do, but November 23rd, 1985, uh, obviously was one of those days that, that changed my life forever. And it changed my life because someone was obedient. They were just obedient to share the gospel. And it happened to be the pastor of the first Baptist church. And I lived a half a mile away from the first Baptist church. I lived a half mile away from the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church. I was surrounded by churches, but no one had ever shared the gospel with me. I had family members who'd never shared the gospel with me that were church members, but they never shared the gospel with me. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I have such a burden for sharing the gospel. And that's one of the reasons I give an invitation mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I don't believe in taking someone to the water and not giving them a chance to, to actually drink the water. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so you know, we're, we're just so thankful for what God's done in our life. But when we look back at that and I see that, you know, that day the pastor came and knocked on my door and I was outside doing something, um, for my dad doing something in the yard. And I thought it was a couple of salesmen that pulled up in the driveway because, you know, my mom would buy anything that, that came to the door, anything. And I think she got the reputation for it. And they're like, go to Shirley's house. She'll, she'll buy something. I mean, she's bought vacuum cleaners at the door before, you know, the Electrolux vacuum cleaners, it was a thousand dollars back in 1985, you know, I mean, it's a car payment today, you know? And so she, she'd buy anything. So I thought it was a couple of salesmen. So I just showed them to the door and I came in next thing I do when I come in the door, she's crying. And I'm thinking, what in the world has she bought? You know, <laughs> what is so good? And and she went on to introduce them to me. She said, this is the pastor of First Baptist Church. And this is one of the deacons, Bob Thompson. And 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 so, um, and I was a polite kid. I wasn't a rude kid. I said, nice to meet you. But I can assure you, I had no, really, I had no desire to be in conversation with either one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I had places, matter of fact, I had a party I was going to go to that night. I wasn't thinking about any of that. Mm -hmm. And my parents, my parents were both lost. They, they were not, you know, they not raised me in church. And so, um, I had plans that night, uh, as much as I could make them at that time. And, 
I'll never forget. He looked at me and he asked me this question. He said, do you know for sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Mm. And I said, no, I don't. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if he was getting ready to take a group with him today or not that day or not. So I, <laughs> I said, no, sir, I don't. And, and he said, would you like to know? Mm. Would you like to know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And I'll tell you, JB, for the first time that I could truly remember the Holy Spirit convicted me that I was lost mm. when he began to share the gospel with me, the good news. And he he actually began taking the track and he, he could tell that I was having a difficult time. And so thank God the track had pictures <laughs> and I had him to walk me through it because he began to share the gospel with me and, and cause I couldn't read. And, and so as he shared the gospel with me, it was so convicting. I knew you didn't have to tell me I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed God's forgiveness. And so November 23rd, 1985, I gave my life and I, I, I said, Jesus, I, I give you my life. I give you everything. Mm. And, uh, and the next day he said, well, you know, to be obedient, you need to be baptized. And so the next day I said, show me the water. Really? I was ready. And so that next, next day I was baptized with one of the most incredible things that happened. And this is how I know that I, God changed me. Cause I believe therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things do pass away. Behold, all things become new. I believe that to the point where if there's been no change, there's been no Jesus. Mm. Jesus cannot occupy without there being some kind of change that takes place in someone's life. The Holy Spirit does not reside in someone's life and there not be some type of change that takes place. And, and it was my want-tos. God changed my want-tos. It wasn't that I, I could still do all the things that I did before, but I didn't want to. And another way I knew is, is um, I, I was walking down the, the hallway to go to Sunday school. I'd never been to Sunday school before. But I was going that morning and because someone was taking me to a class. And there was this girl that uh, JB that I had made fun of most of her life. Hmm. I mean, I talked about her the way she wore makeup. She was poor. I made fun of that because her clothes were not, you know, like other kids. And 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 I just made fun of her. I was a jerk. I just was a jerk. But at that very moment, when I saw her, I saw her in the hallway. And I'm telling you, I know she was as surprised to see me as I was her. And I looked at her and said, Cheryl, if you could ever find a place in your heart to forgive me, would you please forgive me? Wow. Now, JB, this is how I knew that God had changed me because I had plenty of opportunities to ask for forgiveness for from Cheryl before, but I didn't because I was a lost teenager. Right. I was a lost young man. And, and that's what lost people do. Lost people do what lost people do. And, and so it was the day that I received Christ is the day that he changed me and gave me that desire. And I, I said, please, and this is what she said to me. She looked at me. She said, Russell, I've been praying for you to get saved. Wow. And, and it was a girl that I just treated her so terribly. And one of the greatest blessings, years later, I would pastor Cheryl in our church. Wow. God would move her into our area. She would come on a Sunday morning and, and I was actually sharing my testimony for the first time in front of the church family. And Cheryl is in the room. Mm, wow. 
And, and, and I mean, that, that's just God. Yeah. Just God. And, and I had the opportunity to pastor other people that I went to school with uh, later on and got to see several of my family members come to know Christ, got, got to baptize my, my mother, got to see my dad get saved, baptize my dad. Um, and about several of my cousins got saved and was able to, it was almost like God used my life as almost the, the chain, the, the link that needed to be, uh, almost like we talk about that generational curse, you know, it was broken. Wow. Yeah. So, and all because a pastor had a heart for evangelism, took the time to walk across the street basically, and, or, you know, and and come see you. So, so I had only been there. He had only been pastor there for one month. Yeah. And I know who it is. Are you comfortable sharing who it is? Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. James Merritt. And and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, great, great man of God, great preacher. And we've done, uh, we've done some work ministry together at times and uh, just on different, uh, you know, conferences and things and uh, just really value him. And that's, uh, I've told him once that 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 story really touched me and and said a lot about, about him. But uh, so you and I are good friends. We've known each other for years and I've preached in your pulpit, you and mine. I, you know, that my mind thinks theologically and uh, my, that's kind of the way I'm wired. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you're not against you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist like you and Southern Baptists kind of have a, a terminology that we know what we mean, but for my listeners, because we've been not by works has been in ministry, uh, since 1999, we have a longstanding, uh, audience. Uh, of course, we, our audience has grown a lot in the last three or four years. But uh, you know, folks know that we're we're careful and passionate about the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. So, uh, just in case someone, you know, to keep someone from emailing me, when we talk about you know giving our life to the Lord, and I've said that before too. Yes, we're not intending to mean that somehow we had something to give. We're meaning we just entrusted our lives to him because he's the only yeah. one who can save us. Am I, am I, I just, I, I should have said it in a way of just, it's really surrender. It's just surrendering, you know, of, of it's repentance. It's turning from one sin and turning to one that can save. Yeah. I just did a whole series on, uh, or a whole message on repentance at a church down in Beaumont. And of course, repentance means a change of mind. And so in order to be saved, you have to change your mind and recognize you're a sinner, a hopeless, helpless sinner, as you said you did. And then you you turn uh, to the Lord in terms of recognizing that only He can save you. So you're abandoning your faith and anything and everything else that you thought would save you, your good works, your own merit, yes. your own worthiness, and you're saying, I'm unworthy and only Jesus can save me. And so, uh, but what's really cool is because, you know, uh, notwithstanding your, uh, what you said a moment ago, uh, I, and I think it's 99% of the time, that's exactly the way it happens. But it's not true for everyone that the the change, the internal change takes place immediately, right? Jesus said, the moment you believe in me, you pass from death to life, you're a new creation. We get that. It's a regeneration, as you, as you rightly said, that's the biblical term for it. But, uh, you know, not everybody sees the immediate manifestation of that. And what an incredible testimony to know that the very next day, because it was you were saved on a Saturday and then you went to church on a Sunday. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And then you just something, the Spirit of God inside you convicted you that as a new child of God, you don't treat, uh, you know, girls that way. And you immediately repented and 
and so um I, you know, I think sadly, uh, you know, and you and I've talked about this before, uh, you know, sadly, some people don't have uh, the church to to build them up in the faith. They don't, they might get saved at a revival or something, but nobody invites them to church wow. the next day. So they may, it may take, uh, you know, more uh, of that cooperative effort between the word of God and the spirit of God and the discipleship process to really bring them to the point to where their positional righteousness is reflected in their practical righteousness. Sure. Absolutely. But in your case, uh, man, it was off to the races, praise God. And, uh, and, uh, and you're still uh, understandably, as we all should be passionate about the gospel. You were telling me just this past Sunday, you had several people saved at the church. And then there were some people that, what did they come late or something? And they, they got, got yeah, in, the, the parking lot. in the parking lot, they got yeah. saved. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and it's one of those, again, it was a day that I had, you know, as a pastor, and, and of course, we're church planting, and so it is totally something new that I've I've never done before, and I'm probably terrible at it, but um, the thing that I just, that morning, I had so many things I was thinking about, and, and all I came to the point was, is, Lord, I don't have anything else to give. Uh, I've tried to do everything to honor you today, but I'm empty. Mm-hmm. I'm empty. And, and I'm telling you, I entered into that pulpit that day and listen, I, I give the gospel invitation because I want people to come to know Christ just, and the reason I do that is because someone did that for me mm-hmm. and I'll never forget that. I, I'll always extend, as long as I got breath in my body, I will extend an invitation for, and I don't ask when people ask me to their funerals, if they want, if they want a car salesman, call a car salesman, they won't. Somebody that sells shoes calls somebody that sells shoes. But if you call a preacher to preach your funeral, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm not going to ask permission and and you know have to sign a waiver. Uh, I, I'm a preacher of the gospel. That's what I do, and and I, I hope to do that, you know, with clarity and and so because a funeral is not for those who've passed. That that destination is done. It's for those who've not. Uh, yet made any type of life-changing decisions. And so, you know, we, we've seen people come to know Christ at funerals and and, um, and and because that's what God's Holy Spirit does and convicts people and shows them where they are. And and yes, we had, we had nine salvations that morning and it was just so overwhelming because I was so distracted in so many ways. And God just reminded me, it's not about you. Yeah. You have nothing to do with it. Yeah. You just absolutely. need to preach the word. I do everything else. And yeah. and that's why we listen. We didn't have to have, you know, come some kind of, you know, invitational hymn, even though my wife sang. There was no music. And I called people publicly just like Jesus did. And they got up. And there was one man who came in particular, his wife had been praying for him for years mm. and he came forward and, and she didn't even know he'd come forward. And, and he was down, down there praying with me and, and over, obviously overtaken with emotion. And, and then she notices him, you know, of course down there. And then, you know, all of a sudden another six come to my left, they come all at one time. And I've got people and for our church, you know, 
again, they're just, they're ready. They were waiting, take people, love on people. And, and we've already, we've already cared for these people that we we've already baptized some of them this past Sunday. Uh, we've got others will baptize, but we're, we're getting uh, assimilated into because we now is, is as much care now than it is, but we cared before, you know, because when they get saved, that it takes a lot of care and that's our responsibility. It's like taking a baby and dropping it on someone's porch and asking somebody else to take care of it. Mm-hmm. It's the church's job and responsibility to do that. And, and, and I, I think me personally, I've not done the best at that over the years and I want to be better at it. And I want to lead our people to be better at it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, James Merritt is a perfect example. He, he led you to the Lord and then he, he took you under his wing and and he helped you help you grow in the Lord. Uh, you know, you and I have so many things in common. Um, uh, but one of them is our passion for the gospel. And, you know, I've been in different churches and ministries through the years. Uh, some of them, you know, are uh, traditional Baptists where we would give an actual altar call, but I don't care where I am. I've been in as, as a conference speaker and with not by works ministries, I've been in you know, Methodist churches, Assembly of God churches, Pentecostal churches, Baptist, Bible, you know, independent, e-free. And I always give the gospel at the end and encourage people to respond to it. You know, Lewis Berry Chafer famously said, the gospel has not been given until you've explained the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and explained it in a way that calls for a response. And so- Yes, um, I saw that in your book, Matter yeah. One of the, the gospel made simple. Is that what it called? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, what was it called? Good news, plain and simple. Yeah. Good news, yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. I, I was just, I pulled that off my shelf the other day and, uh, and was, uh, just refreshing myself on it. Yeah. And I saw that exact quote. Well, praise God. I mean, counting you, me, and my mother, that makes three people that have read my book. So that's pretty good. You're on the bestseller list now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I'm a million seller. I've got a million copies in my cellar. Uh, but uh, any, anyway, no, that's a that's a great little booklet. And I want to encourage people, since we've talked, uh, as we wrap up here, since we talked so much about the gospel, it's it's December 15th, it's, it's Christmas is coming up on us. Um we have good news tracks that we have at Not By Works. We give them out everywhere we go. Give them out by the hundreds at conferences. We leave them at hotels uh, in, in the room. Um, but we also sell them in bundles of 100 for you to give out. And with Christmas right around the corner, this thought just popped into my mind. You know, a lot of times Christmas brings together people you don't see very often, extended family, relatives you might see once a year, if that. Uh, and and obviously, people have relatives that don't know the Lord Jesus. So uh, if uh, if that's your situation, maybe uh, consider picking up some of those tracks. You can go to notbyworks.org. Uh, and by the way, we're not trying to sell anything. If money's an issue, send us an email and we'll send them to you uh, at no cost. Uh, they do cost us something to uh, to print them, uh, but we just want to get the gospel out there. And so maybe you give it, put it in a stocking or put it as part of a little gift that you exchange with a friend or relative who you don't know if they know the Lord. And, uh, you know, D.L. Moody famously said, the gospel is like a lion. Um, all we have to do is open the cage of the door and get out of the way. And so if you share the gospel, the fact that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and he's the only hope uh, to, to for man's the penalty of, of, of sin in mankind, then uh, the Spirit of God will take it from there. And, uh, you know, we don't, we, we can't, argue someone into the faith or 
compel them. We just let the gospel, which Paul said is the power of God to salvation, uh, do its work. So, um, it, and, and I, I just preached on that Sunday. You know, the gospel is clear, the gospel is compelling, and the gospel is complete. Yes, uh, it it doesn't it doesn't get any clearer than than how Jesus said when he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." That and, is, you know, and and I think the most compelling thing that people cannot cannot argue with a changed life. Mm -mm, no, and that's why you can't face it intellectually. It's it's a spiritual condition that God takes care of. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things I've said through the years is there's two reasons that that uh, people don't come to faith in Christ. Uh, number one, they've never met a Christian to share the good news. Number two, they've met a Christian who's not acting like a Christian, and it turns them away. And yes. so it really should be, if you're a believer and listening to this uh, uh, interview today, uh, and you're not walking with the Lord, let me challenge you. You are you are doing a disservice to the cause of Christ, and you're you're miserable. You know you're miserable because the Spirit of God's not going to let you be content in sin if you're a believer. Uh, and it's time to 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 come back to the Lord. It's time to 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 live for Him, to live out that gift that He's given you, and uh, and make a difference in this world because time is short. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about at uh, at your church in in February is the urgency of the hour with all that's going on in the world. So as we as we wrap up, tell folks about your church because we have listeners all over the world. Literally, there may be some folks in Northern Georgia that might want to come visit. Absolutely, yeah. So we're in the. It's the Flyer Branch Oakwood area of, of, of Georgia, and uh, our address is 3622 Atlanta Highway. It's North Star Family Church, and uh, of course, North Star is the brightest star, and uh, we, we tell people, you know, we want to help them find direction for life, and, mm -hmm. and that's really, that's what the North Star does. It helps people find direction, and, and that's, that's really, uh, our core values are very simple is to uh, live boldly, love deeply, and follow faithfully. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really what we try to strive to do. We, we're not perfect people. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for a perfect church, please do not come or join because you'll mess it up. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't want perfect people because there are no such thing as perfect people. And, uh, and one of the things I tell people all the time, if you're, if you're needing a soft place to land because you need to land hard, uh, North Star is a good place to do it. Yes, it is. And brother, you and I have both had some of those uh, times in our life when we've needed some soft landings. And uh, you and Starla have been there for me and Wendy uh, through the years, through ups and downs, through heartaches. Uh, you know, we commiserate. And uh, I was just so delighted to get uh, connected with you again here for this podcast. Uh, God is absolutely in the miracle working business uh, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Uh, by the way, the website for North Star Family Church is nsfamily.org. That stands for North Star Family, but it's nsfamily.org. And uh, check it out if you're in that area. If you're passing through, I know a lot of folks make the trek down uh, to, to Florida. You can't hardly get to Florida without going through Atlanta, unfortunately. Right. Um, and man, I've spent you know, tons of time in Atlanta. You, you may recall, I was president of a small seminary there for a few years. I would travel in and teach two or three times a year. And I, I have, a, of course, I traveled for, for about eight years or so. I traveled 200 days a year. And so I have a list of my least favorite airports. And, uh, you know, number one on that list is Atlanta. And, and a distant second is uh, something else, you know, because that's how bad Atlanta was. <laughs> it, I mean, Atlanta is the only, the only airport that you got to, you know, I, I could literally, 
I could literally, uh, you know, it, it took me longer <laughs> to get from my gate when I landed to my rental car than yeah. it did to fly from Illinois to Atlanta to begin with. I mean, you, you landed and you're, you're not even halfway to your destination because you're su such a huge airport. And, but anyway, I know you didn't build it, so I'm not criticizing you. <laughs> But anyway, I appreciate it. It makes me feel so much better. I can go to sleep at night. I'm sure you were quite worried. So tell Starla hello and uh, brother, you're a blessing. What a testimony! And uh, uh, we'll have you back on and uh, love to love to hear you preach, my friend. So. Well, thank you so much, JB. It's our pleasure to be a part of this, and and uh, I say ours because you know my wife behind every successful man is a surprised woman. And, uh, and I'm telling you, I've got the greatest and, uh, she is such a helpmate and, uh, I'm so thankful for her. She is a blessing for sure. I've known her longer than I've known you because her father, if I might mention, uh, was my home church pastor that, uh, licensed me to the ministry when I surrendered to preach at the age of 15. Uh, and, uh, brother Billy J Crosby, how's he doing by the way? He's doing good. He regrets licensing you, but other than that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of his I'm great regrets in life. Yeah. yeah, I remember when I published my first book uh, 12 books ago, I, I sent him a copy and I remember hearing that he he got it and he said, who's this again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he speaks fondly of you. And, and uh, so, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, but Starla is, is incredible, incredible voice. Uh, folks need to, to hear her. Uh, in fact, uh, does she have a. Uh, you can go on YouTube. Uh, she's on YouTube. Just type in Starla Harbin. She has several videos out there. We actually have a North Star uh, church. Uh, it's a North Star uh, channel for music. It's just called North Star Music, and it's on YouTube. And uh, it's actually the live, the music that we do on Sunday mornings. It has been recorded and put up on YouTube, and it is uh, really, really a blessing to us, and, and uh, I know it'll be a blessing to others. Well, one of my favorite albums of hers is her Christmas album, which we yes, break out every year favorite. at Christmas. Yeah, it is my favorite. Yeah. Well, awesome, brother. Thanks so much. And God bless you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, if we can help you, reach out to notbyworks.org uh, and uh, keep us in your prayers as always. And, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. God bless and Merry Christmas, everyone.